go ahead and grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The series is called Glory in the Church. The sermon is called Children of Light. Children of Light. What is the role of the church? What is the mission of the church? Who are we becoming? Today we will see that we are becoming children of light. Light and darkness is a theme that permeates the scripture. And let's face it, the world needs light right now. The world needs light. And the world is looking all over for a light because things are so dark right now. Where will the world find the light of heaven? The answer is in the church. Lauren and I went up to Michigan for, went, visited several cities in Michigan for our vacation this year. How many of you have seen some lighthouses up in Michigan? Have you been up there to the cities? Uh, most of them on Lake Michigan have a lighthouse. And here's a picture of at Grand Haven, the lighthouse that we walked out and saw. You can go all the way out there. There's like this beautiful lighthouse. And uh, then you keep going and there's literally a little house. It's like the cutest thing ever. And a great photo opportunity. Here's another picture of the sun going down. You can see how scenic it is, but it also serves a purpose. The purpose is you have all of these boats that need to find their way to the channel. And so here's a picture of a lighthouse at night. And you can see that it, it shows you the way safely to the shore. That idea of a lighthouse captures what the church is supposed to be in the world. The church, listen, the church is supposed to be the light of heaven shining out on earth, helping fallen doomed sinners find their way safely to shore. That's what the church is supposed to become. So today as we talk about becoming children of light, it's not just about you shining. I'm a child of light. We have a purpose, and the purpose is that as the world sees our lives truly being transformed by the glorious grace of Christ, they will find their way home. That's the goal. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about becoming children of light. Father, we pray that you would show us your divinely intended purpose for the church. Show us what it means, Lord, to to send out the light of life into a world full of darkness. Help us to understand what it means, Lord, to shine with the light of Christ so that others will see that we're different and that they will desire to step into the light themselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, are you in Ephesians 5, verse 7? Ephesians 5, verse 7. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So we're continuing like mid-sentence from last week, verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Last week we talked, uh, continuing to talk about things that we're supposed to leave behind. Sexual immorality and crude joking and, uh, and, and coveting, and we're supposed to leave those things behind. 
The thought is continued this week with leaving the ways of the world behind, church. So in verse 7, it says, Therefore, do not become partners with them. If you remember last week, the sermon ended with a stern warning about what happens to those who refuse to leave the world behind. Therefore, do not become partners with them. The first thing you can write down is pretty straightforward. Don't partner with worldly people in their sin. You can write that down. Don't partner with worldly people in their sin. It's so tempting to be worldly. It's so tempting to enjoy an unbroken bond with those who are not living for Christ. To behave and become so similar to unbelievers that even they cannot detect the difference between you and them. It's tempting to live a worldly life. It's tempting to be accepted and applauded and included by others. I feel it. Life would be a lot easier if we could talk and spend and party and vent and flaunt and look like them. Life would be a lot easier and perhaps more fun if we could just live like them and spend like them and party like them. At times, we all long to run toward the dying lights of earthly glory, to be worldly. But Christians, we have declared our independence from earth, from this world, and we are warned not to jump back into a binding partnership with those who are living sinful lives apart from Christ. Notice how the Bible clearly describes the world and the church as being entirely different. And the only two spheres under which we can live. Either we're living in the world or we're living in the kingdom of Christ. The Bible describes those as the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There are only two that we are members of. And we're not to partner with worldly people in their sin. The world and the church are entirely different. The world is unsaved people who don't know Jesus as Lord. The church would be saved people who know Jesus as Lord. That's the difference. Many people would say there's no difference between the church and the world. They would say, when I look into the world, I see virtue. Just as much virtue as I see in the church. And when I look into the church, I see vice. Just as much vice as I see in the world. And therefore, I see no difference. You're no better off in the church, and you're no worse off in the world. Some people think there's no difference between the church and the world. And that is a false conclusion. Listen, we can only catch a glimpse of the vast, global, ever-expanding spiritual confederation that Christ is commanding. If we could all at once see everything that the church has been and has become for 2,000 years, including the billions of saints singing glory in the presence of Jesus Christ right now, we would proclaim the church and the world are entirely different. The church of Jesus Christ was 
is and will always be everything this world is failing to become. It's light. It's light. Light and darkness are a very popular theme to talk about in the world today. Every four years we have an election. During election years, politicians, which represent the most powerful and wealthy individuals in our country, and therefore on earth, have to come up with an angle. And the angle is always derived from a massive amount of research and a massive amount of conversation and everything that is said is intended to take the billions of dollars that are trying to get their candidate elected into the most powerful position in the world. And so there are no accidents when it comes to the scripted word. And in the Democratic National Convention, especially during Joe Biden's speech, everyone noticed that the theme, the theme was light and darkness. Light and darkness. Elect me and the darkness will clear up, was his basic message. It was a light, it was a battle between light and darkness. Now why, why are they taking that angle? Because it captures our collective anguish at the state of the world today. It captures our collective longing to see, to see dawn. But I've got news for you. Light's not coming from Washington no matter who gets elected. Light is coming from heaven. Light is coming from heaven. And where is it going? Where is it going? It's going into the church. And then it's beaming out into the world saying, come, come, come and see. What makes the church different from the world? It's not us. It's not us. Just look at the person next to you and say, it's not you. Just say it. Just say it. Doesn't matter if you smile because I couldn't see it. It's, it's not us. What makes us different from the world? Uh, it's not us. It's our founder. We serve a perfect king who never errs in justice. We have a flawless father who never neglects his children. We wield an eternal power that holds us together even if the world falls to pieces. We possess a promise of paradise forever. And listen, we will have a place in heaven 10,000 years after the influencers of this age have departed with empty hands to endure eternal torment. Listen, church, listen. The world has nothing for you. Everything is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't partner with worldly people in their sin. The Bible says they're a, they're a breath. Don't be deceived. Number one, don't partner with worldly people in their sin. Therefore, verse 7, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So number two, write this down. Don't partner with worldly people in their sin. Number two, because Christ took you from darkness into the light. Christ took you from darkness into the light. This is a great verse if you're struggling with self-righteousness. If you've been struggling with self-righteousness or feeling like you're better than other people, uh, you know, I won't make you say amen. <laughs> if you're struggling with self-righteousness, just look into the mirror later today and say, you were darkness. Talk about lowering your self-esteem. The Bible says you were darkness. 
That's very, not just humbling, that's just outright humiliating. Am I right? You were darkness. Try using that the next time you share your faith with your neighbor. Hey, Al, uh, do you know your darkness? What did you just say? You are darkness. What? Talk about an offensive way to tell the world the true condition of their heart. You were darkness. But listen, it's talking to people in the church, which means it's meant to give us perspective. Okay? So the, the legalists here are going to be thumped on the head. The truth people, right? There are probably some people who were tracking with me in the first point, and they're like, you tell them, preacher, about all those bad people in the world. I've been trying to warn everybody about the world and how terrible they are. I'm stereotyping that people from the South are typically more of the traditional bet, okay? But I'm just going to keep going with it. You tell them, preacher. You tell them all about the world and how terrible the world is, how they got to get out of the world. And All right. If that's your background, if that's your mindset, I would just say this. The world is where all of us came from. We were that. And therefore, we are supposed to recognize that Christ took us from there. And we're not supposed to just run away from there and be like, good luck, everybody. We're, we're out of here. We're supposed to not partner with them. That doesn't mean that we just abandon them and leave them to die. Christ took us from darkness into the light. Now we are light in the Lord. Now we are light in the Lord. So God loves the world. And he sent his son to die for the world. And he sent his church into the world. If, this is so important, if we don't have a broken heart for the world and a determination to get out there with the light and the love for Christ, we might as well be a lighthouse with no light, which is worthless. Absolutely worthless. We're supposed to get the light out there so that other people can get safely to shore. Christ took us from darkness into light and now he wants to use us. Hey, do you remember when Jesus changed everything about your life? Do you remember when he turned the lights on for the first time? Can you tell me the names of people who he used to share the gospel with you? How many people could tell me who it was that God used to lead you to Christ? Raise your hand up if you could name some names. That was the church. That was the church getting the word out, whether it's somebody on TV or on radio or a friend or a neighbor. That was someone beaming with the light and the truth of Christ who came to you. And, and we're supposed to recognize that this implies that we have to be brought into the light from the darkness. Many people will live their whole lives never agreeing with that truth. But it has to happen. So when was it that Jesus brought you out of darkness into light? When was it that Jesus changed everything about you? I've been updating you lately about my technology woes. And as you know, I have been a proud Dell laptop owner for the last 16 years. I have faced tremendous pressure, if not persecution, from others for being a Dell laptop PC owner. I proudly stuck with it. And when my aging Dell laptop began to stop turning on, I even brought it in to try and nurse it back to health. And the Best Buy Geek Squad told me, uh, we can't work on it because it's literally about to catch fire. Here's a picture of me leaving the Geek Squad with my folder. Uh, they said, we're here to help. And then they turned me away. They wouldn't even work on it because it was like a lost cause, okay? So I brought it back, and then I went out and I got a new Dell. And uh, that computer refused to turn on multiple times. It just wouldn't turn on. I have a pretty high bar for my new devices. I expect them to turn on. 
I don't know about you, and on the list of things you want out of a new laptop, one of the things I want is I want it to turn on. It wouldn't turn on. And, or it would turn off and go to sleep and then it wouldn't wake back up. So I brought it back. I got another one. I'm trying to stick with the Dell. And, and then that one wouldn't turn on. So I brought that one back. And the tech guy's like scratching his head. He goes, show me what it does. And so I showed him what it does. And, and it's, cra it's crazy because when it won't turn on, the way to get it back on is you have to do this. You have to like basically blitz it with opening and closing the lid while putting the power cord in and pushing the button. And I did all this and then finally it turned on. And I said, this is just ridiculous. And he goes, I think it's time for a new device. The tech guy told me that. So I returned my second Dell laptop and then I did it. Here's another picture of me with that second laptop that wasn't working. And then here's the third picture of me where I ended my week. I, I, I did it. And now, I'm now officially a Mac guy. <laughs> I'm getting amens. What's hilarious is the Dell supervisor emailed me and said, can you help us solve this problem? Because it's widespread on all of our devices and we want to know how you got it to turn back on. Now I'm a consultant. <laughs> hey, I can tell you when I became a Mac owner, right? I can also tell you when I became a Christian. I can tell you when it happened. It happened freshman year in college. I was really just sinking and going off the rails morally, feeling guilty about it. My friend invited me to church. I heard the gospel like I've never heard it before. Knelt down, prayed to receive Christ. Everything changed and everyone knew it. And let me ask you this. When did you become a Christian? When, when were you dragged out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Your parents didn't do that for you, no matter how much religion they gave you. When did everything change and everyone knew it? If you don't have a story of a transformation, I would just ask you, are you truly transformed? If you think you've been a lifelong member of the family of God, you don't understand that God has to adopt you into his family or you're not in. Christ wants to take you from darkness into the light. When did you cross over? I know that it's hard to admit this, but you have to admit it or you will never know Christ. You have to admit that you started without God in darkness. Listen, you were darkness. And if up to this point in life, your response to that is, no, I'm not, then you don't have the light of Christ. Here's a picture of a very dark, spooky forest, and I would probably guess that most of you wouldn't want to walk out there. Am I right? This dark, spooky forest. It's scary. There's little eyes looking around. And going into a dark forest at night, for most of you, would be, count me out. Hey, spiritually, this is your starting point. You are born into spiritual darkness. Only Christ can lead you out into life. When did that happen? How did that happen? Once and for all, when did you make a decisive break with the world and enter the kingdom of Christ? When did you cross over? Most people deny that they actually need to enter the light. They would say this whole religion thing is a joke. I don't believe in God or the afterlife. Many people get to the point where they just deceive themselves. Well, sure, I believe in God. Yeah, of course, Jesus was a good person, but so am I. 
and I'm not as bad as certain people out there, so I think I'm going to get to heaven because I'm a pretty good person. But we say this a lot around here, so maybe you can help me complete it. Um, good people don't go to heaven. Who goes to heaven? Okay, so if your path, if, if your pass, good person, you turn in that ticket at the gate, you get turned away forever. Good person, showing up. Saved person, you get in. Which ticket are you holding? Some people deceive themselves and say, light? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's dark, but I'm light. They deceive themselves. And then there's people who truly repent. People who are willing to admit the truth about their I am darkness. And I need Jesus to shine in my soul. I am a lost cause. And I need Jesus to save me forever. I'm bound and shackled and dead. And I need Christ to drag me into the light. Hey, have you been saved? If so, have you been baptized? When Christ brings you from darkness into light, there should be gratitude, there should be joy, there should be pride. There shouldn't be this putting this light under a blanket. There should be this, I want everyone to see it. I'm now a lighthouse. So if you've never been baptized after you've put your faith in Christ, we're doing baptisms outdoor next week. And I want you to make the decision today that you are going to get baptized. Sometimes people feel overwhelmed. Oh, well, I'm just new in this. I, I can't get baptized. I haven't taken a class. I need to wait. Listen, baptism isn't a, a graduation party. Baptism is a birthday party. You're alive! <laughs> That's all it takes. And we'll help you to figure out what to say. But I would challenge you by faith to get baptized next week. And if you're not saved, if you don't have a story of when Jesus saved you, here's how you get saved. You say, Father, take me out of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. I'm ready. It's as simple as that. Number one, don't partner with worldly people in their sin. Number two, because Christ took you from darkness into light. Number three, jot this down. So walk as children of light. It goes on to say this in verse 8. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Walk as children of light. Christians, we are children of light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. He opened our blind eyes so that we can see God. And what a privilege it is to become children of light. Now, what does that mean? That means that we get to brightly reflect the presence, the power, and the purity of Christ all of our days. Being a child of light means we are proudly reflecting the presence and the power and the purity of Christ all of our lives. Now, we aren't angels. The light isn't us. Okay, we're, we're gremlins, if you've seen the movie. We're gremlins. But Christ has brought his light into our hearts, and that has changed everything. 
God changed everything. It says here, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Now, if you're a language person, if you're a grammarian, you will recognize that the Bible here is mixing its metaphors. And the Bible can do whatever the Bible wants, all right? So, no judgment here. Fruit of light. Fruit, garden, crop, field, light, solar, right? So we're mixing those two together, but it's okay. The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. They actually go together pretty well, am I right? We need the light to shine in order for the fruit to grow. And so the idea here is, if the light of life is shining in your heart, it will grow the fruit of God's presence in your soul. And like a garden, you will have a crop. You will have so much to show. Look at all that I grew. I visited somebody from our church recently. He loves the garden. He showed me everything that he has grown. All that walked me all around. And all these pounds, hundreds of pounds of this and that. And, and they sent us home with bags full of stuff that he grew in his own garden. Here's a picture of what grows if you've done well in your garden. You have all of these things. And you've got peppers and beets and carrots and zucchini and berries. And, and that is what is supposed to be seen in your soul if you are truly a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what is supposed to be seen in our church if we are truly followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the light is shining, the fruit should be growing. The fruit of light. And that means what's growing is what is good, not bad. What is right, not wrong. What is true, not false. And let's face it, you go around today using words like bad, wrong, false. You're not going to have very many friends on Facebook. I mean, those words have become so warped and abused these days that they're only allowed to apply to people who disagree with us. Am I right? But if you actually tell someone that what they just said is false or what they're doing is wrong or who they are is bad, my goodness, those words are not allowed today. But when we become children of light, this is the fruit that grows. Fruit doesn't grow quickly. Doesn't matter. You can shout all you want. The tree's not going to hustle up for you, right? Come on, carrots. I've got a schedule. I mean, just good luck with that. That's not the way fruit grows. It's gradual. So when you are saved, you're saved in a moment. It's a crisis of faith. One moment that changes every moment for the next million years. But when you are sanctified, when you are transformed, that's every moment, little by little. A thousand decisions a day. And being saved comes first, and being transformed comes second. That's what it means to walk as children of light. To slowly, gradually, patiently, deliberately, consistently turn away from the world and walk into the light. Hey, have you turned? Have you once and for all become a child of light? Can you bring up the basket full of fruit of things that God has grown in your life since you began to follow his son? I mean, you, the longer you're in the, the faith, the more you should have barns full of stories of God transforming you. Or is that basket empty? 1 John 1, 5-7 says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. 
and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The Bible is so honest about our problem with sin. If we just deny that we have a sin problem, we'll never get past it. The Bible says if you, if you say you are without sin, you're a liar. Liar, liar, liar. But if you admit, I've, oh, I've got, I've got a truckload full of it. Don't get me started. God then will help you in time to bring it into the light. Jot this down. We are to expose the shameful works of darkness. It says here, uh, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So we are, this important to realize this, this is in the church. Okay, we're not supposed to walk out today and go to Walmart and be like, that's sin, you're sinning, I'm going to expose you all. This is in the church. Okay, everybody say it's in the church. How does the church handle sin in the church? Uh, we, we expose the deeds of darkness. We bring light on these areas in our lives so that there can be transformation. We are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That happens when we are deliberate in exposing the shameful deeds of darkness. It means we don't even speak of the things that are done, that are warped. And Here's what this means, church. If you are more and more and more talking and thinking and listening and reading and acting and dressing and going with worldly people, you're heading in the wrong direction. Okay, you're, you're dimming the light of Christ lower and lower. Okay, I'll watch that. Lower. Okay, I'll go there. Lower. Okay, I'll say that. Lower until barely a candle is left. And then maybe that goes out. And if you are truly a child of light, it's time to repent of a worldly way of life. Do you, is God calling you this morning to repent of trying to turn the lights in your Christian life down so low that barely a pinprick of light is left and you don't even want your friends to see that? Is that your heart? Are you a child of light? Why are you acting like a child of darkness? We are to expose the shameful works of darkness. Why? Well, they're unfruitful. They're unfruitful. You keep planting those seeds in the soil and weeds and thorns and thistles and fruitless things keep coming up. Here's a picture of a dead tree. If you live as a child of darkness and you plant seeds of sin, that will be your life. And I have a feeling that some people in this room look at that and they think, that's what sin gave me. That, it didn't look like that at first. It looked like a fruitful, green, flowing, pleasant garden, and now, now I'm that. Now I have that. Um, is that you? Is that you? Hey, after a lengthy trek out into the world, are you, are you coming back again with an empty basket off the field of sin with tears streaming down your face saying, I have nothing! I have nothing, nothing good from all of those years. Listen, listen, listen. God is calling you into the light again. Leave the darkness behind once and for all. It's done. It's over. No more that. No more that. 
God wants you to be so much more than a dead tree. So much more than looking around and expecting things to grow that never do. So they're unfruitful, but they're also shameful. They're also shameful. And this is where your conscience at the beginning was going off. Wrong, wrong, wrong that you're with this person. Wrong that you sent that text. Wrong that you press play on that show. Wrong, danger, alert. Dan- but we can, we can take the batteries out of our conscience. Do you know that? We can, the Bible says we can warp our conscience. Well, it's not that. Well, other people are like, well, whoop, battery out. And maybe now you're just plunging into very, very shameful things. Things that you would be embarrassed to tell other people about. Shameful. Shameful. Um, Somebody once said that uh, pain is to the body what shame is to the soul. When your body tells you, fire! It's not because your body's being mean. I'm going to burn him. No, no, it's like, get your hand out of that! And when your soul is saying, get your hand out of that, that is shame. But the longer you go down into the path of darkness, the harder your heart becomes. We are to expose in the church the shameful works of darkness. Sadly, today, many churches have normalized and glamorized worldly, sinful behavior among the Christians. It starts with the teachers and the elders and the leaders flaunting worldly, greedy, lustful ways of life, flaunting, flaunting, flaunting. Uh, It starts with breaking down the doctrine of biblical standards, and people are not held to biblical standards of integrity. They have thrown the gospel in the garbage and still gather as a, quote, church, end quote. And it's sad. You can go to many churches today, and it glows with the glory of earth. But children of light do not shine in churches like that. Sin grows in the darkness. And as a church, God is calling us out of darkness into the light. God is calling us as a church to bear abundant fruit of the Spirit. Walk as children of light. Expose the shameful works of darkness. Jot this down. And enjoy the new life Christ provides. It says here in verse 14, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Hey, listen, maybe God's saying that to you today. Maybe it's time for you to get saved. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Where does that mean you're hearing this from? Rise from the dead? A grave. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is a profound verse because it looks ahead to when Christ with his own lips will call forth everyone from their graves to the resurrection. Do you know after you die, long after you die, the day will come when you hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will come out of the grave. The bodily, physical resurrection is a key doctrine of faith in your future. But it also looks back. It likely looks back to Isaiah 60 uh, where it describes the point Israel was supposed to serve, and it kind of mixes it with the church. And this likely became a little hymn or saying in the early church. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let me read from Isaiah 60, 1-3, where it says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. 
It goes on to say, then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Hey, has this happened to you? Has your heart thrilled and exulted because you have seen the light of Christ and you have become radiant and now his light shines through your life? Are you a children? Are you a child of light? Are you a child of light? Let me close by reading a hymn that is actually a prayer as well as a song. And it calls us all, whether we're saved or unsaved, it calls us all back to resolve. I've turned my back upon the world with all its idle pleasures and set my heart on better things, on higher, holier treasures. No more its glitter and its glare and vanity shall blind me. I've crossed the separating line and left the world behind me. Far, far behind me, far, far behind me. I've crossed the separating line and left the world behind me. I've left the old sad life of sin, its follies all forsaken. My standing place is now in Christ, his holy vows I've taken. Beneath the standard of the cross, the world henceforth shall find me. I've passed in Christ from death to life and left the world behind me. Far, far behind me. I've passed from death to life and left the world behind me. My choice is made forever. I want no other savior. I ask no purer happiness than his sweet love and favor. My heart is fixed on Jesus Christ. No more the world shall blind me. I've crossed the Red Sea of his death and left the world behind me. Far, far behind me. Far, far behind me. I've crossed the Red Sea of his death and left the world behind me. Father, we come to you in prayer as we respond to what we've heard today. I invite each person in this room to reflect that hymn. Because there are some who came into this room this morning who are not saved by the light of Jesus Christ. They have never left the world far, far behind them. They've left you far behind them. They've left the Bible far behind them. They've left the church far behind them. Far, far behind them. But the world, they've never made a break. So I pray that today there would be some who realize their peril, that they've lived in darkness And that it's time to leave the world far, far behind and to enter into the kingdom of Christ. Lord, right now I pray that there would be some who are here in person or who are watching online who would say, Father, lead me out of darkness into light by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again to save my soul forever. Lord, I know that there are also some here today who have drifted. They have turned the lights down low on their faith. They have gotten closer and closer to the world. They have drifted from your word, your church, and they know it. And I pray that they would turn back. I pray that right now they would ask for the light of Christ to shine in their lives so, so brightly, so loudly that they would have no shame showing the world the light of life. As a church, Jesus, I pray that you would sanctify us and consecrate us. Make us the lighthouse that this world needs so that heaven's glory is shining out. Our transformed lives are beckoning others safely to shore so that they can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May it be so by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name.